Okay. Hey everyone, welcome back to another installment of Puchica Vos. Uh, today I'm actually really excited to start a new project with you all. Sandra and I have been thinking about this since our last episode where we had a guest. It was actually Wilfre. And essentially we want to do a project where we're doing an interview series with Central American folks who are not in California, you know, outside of the, the general pockets where we associate a lot of Central Americans to be. And so today is actually the first in that series. And I have a very special guest with me today. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so hi everybody. My name is Patrick Molancoyoy. Um Aguacate Malteco on Twitter. Um, I am, hey. as I was saying earlier today, a, um, I'm a Central American, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm so happy to have you here, Patrick. Uh, are you a listener? Do you listen to Puchicabos? Or was this kind of just out of nowhere where it was like, what? <laughs> Who are y'all? Why are y'all talking to me? <laughs> uh, no, I'm a listener. Um, just for like, I mean, I know your podcast is still pretty young, but um, kind of I started listening recently um, with Wilfred's um, interview, actually, because, you know, they're my friend. And so I definitely was interested. Um, you know, I saw the podcast was about, you know, Central Americans in general. Um, and that made me really excited. And I was happy to see someone finally use this podcast title because, I definitely looked last year and was like, you know, I feel like someone should probably have a podcast with an Impuchica voice already. Um, and no one <laughs> did. So y'all, y'all definitely came through there where I was looking for some great content. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that we're, you know, essentially pioneers of sorts. And so... Um, a thing we do on Puchica Voz is that we'd like to do shits and giggles, which is our way of checking in with each other. And um, so a shit is something bad that's gone on in your week or your day. And a giggle is something that you're really excited or happy about. And so I just want to ask you, Patrick, what is your shit and your giggle for this week? Um, so, you know, I, I listen, so I've been thinking about this. Um, my shit is probably just the fact that I lost my headphones today <laughs> um and they're those like stupid like lightning connector headphones for like the iphone 7 on so you know it's not just like i can go to walgreens and buy another pair um <laughs> so that was real disappointing and i was like i looked quite a few places so um you know i had to get another pair luckily i had this other setup i have i have another that i found um at home but um, they're not the like special ones. So, uh, that was my shit. Um, my giggle probably, um, every week, the like thing that makes me happiest now is when, a, so I'm a college advisor, um, at a high school. And so whenever a student like tells me they have already completed the FAFSA, like that's the happiest moment of my life. Oh, that's super exciting. I'm really happy to hear that. I, one of our good friends, Mirta, is also a college counselor. I don't know if she wants me putting her career out there, but it's already out there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I hear a lot about her work struggles. And so hearing that you're on the same path and that you actually like feel that genuine passion and you're so happy for these kids also, I think that's incredible. That that made me happy. Like, <laughs> But no, I'm really happy to hear that. That's so sweet. And um, thank you for sharing also. Okay, so um, my shit for this week, I don't really have one, honestly. Like, it's been, it hasn't been a, like, great week, but it hasn't been a terrible week, you know? Like, I've had worse weeks. 
That's how I'm, okay, I'm feeling right now. But my giggle is that we're halfway through with the week, and this weekend I'm actually going out to San Diego to go and be a little a little messy person. <laughs> but I'm really excited <laughs> for that because I haven't been in a while, and uh, I don't know. I'm just happy to leave like my workspace, my my home life for a bit, and you know, it's like a vacation, and I need it. Oh yeah, that sounds so nice. I always love. Even if it's just, you know, kind of close by or even if it's, you know, a few hours away or whatever, just being able to mm-hmm. get out of your normal routine, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm just happy that it's going to break the monotony a little. Yeah, I definitely feel that. What song have you brought for us this week, Patrick? So, um, you know, I definitely, this was a struggle, um, as I talked about on Twitter. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just like, okay, what's what's it going to be? What am I thinking of? Like, there, there were like five runners up for this, including wow. things varying from Legally Blonde the Musical to RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> um, in any case, um, what I brought is actually a song from the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's on the CW. The show in general is about um, a woman named Rebecca Bunch, who pretty much she has a pretty normal life. One day she finds this dude she knew from summer camp named Josh Chan. He's in New York and she decides to follow him across the country to West Covina, California. Um, what? <laughs> this song that I specifically, yeah, I know, I know. So it's a lot, um, but the show's really great. I mean, it's, it tackles things from, you know, mental illness to feminism to, you know, like a gamut of issues um, a lot about romance and how we see romance as a society. Uh, this is a song that I specifically chose today. Um, it's from the third season. It's called Let's Generalize About Men. And it's described, I think, as like an 80s girl group, like, man-hate song. So, <laughs> All right. I'm really excited for this. I haven't even checked out this show, but just the fact that they have a song on the show makes me really excited for it. So uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and check this out. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Let's Generalize About Men. Wow. I I love that song, honestly. Like, I definitely see what you mean about it being like an 80s girl group. And just, I don't, I, I thought it was really, really funny because they're like, chug, chug, chug. So there's like, you know, little things going on where they're just like getting lit. But they're totally yeah. venting to each other about like how terrible men have been in their lives. And uh, I loved it. I kind of want to check out this show more now just because I'm like, what did these men do to you? Like, I mean, that doesn't matter. It's just they're men, you know? Like, <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's generalize about yeah. men. Um, no, I love it. And I thought, you know, it's really demonstrative of the show, I think, A, because, 
you know, it's relatable. Like, you know, who amongst us has not just had a weekend where we're like chilling with friends. It's like, wow, like men suck. Right. (laughs) Um, And, you know, on the other hand, like it's still pair, it's like paying homage to and kind of parrying that, you know, genre of music, you know, that point, those kind of pointer sisters esque like dresses, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So. No, yeah, I I loved it. I was I actually listened to this like well, all right now, but um, I listened to this and I was just really really happy. I was like, oh my god, yes, let's let let's generalize about men, you know, <laughs> let's talk about yeah, how they're yeah. all trash. And then the the little caveat about like gay men, it was just like, oh, this is funny. Yeah, no, they cover the they run the gamut of they run the gamut of generalizations about men, and you know, especially at this time in our culture, like. You know, it, it hit at a good time. Yeah, definitely. I feel that. All right. Uh, so, so just as a disclaimer, so it doesn't come off as like we lurked on you and we were just like, ooh, Patrick seems interesting. Like, ooh, let's get him on the interview. You know, like Patrick is a member of Central American Twitter and also an up and coming Central American IG because I think it's it's happening. It's slowly happening. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we, see, we seen you on Twitter. We think you're cool. And um, the main, well, one of the reasons we really hit you up is because you're not in a, you know, a hub of Central Americans, are you? Nope. Um, I'm born and raised in Lansing, Michigan, um, the capital city, which somehow people still like don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. It's just like, it feels like exciting for me to be from a capital Mm -hmm. city, but like, I don't think anyone else knows. (laughs) Um, And right now I, well, I went to school at the University of Michigan for my undergrad degree. And then, like, moved five miles, like, east to Ypsilanti, Michigan, where I'm currently a high school advisor. Oh, okay. So, funny story. When I was in, when I was in fifth grade, um, I did a, a project on Michigan, the state. So, I knew Lansing was the capital. So, <laughs> ha! I knew that. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate this standing for yeah. Michigan. I mean, I don't remember anything other than lansing and the the flag has like moose on it i believe okay, yeah, yeah yeah cool so <laughs> yeah i was like i don't think it even is a moose i think it's a <laughs> but yeah how how was that honestly like okay well one i have various questions about winter because you actually experience winter and <laughs> to oh, yeah. um just how was that in general you know like did you have roots there like did you have a lot of family living in michigan already or did your family move to michigan or was that just well, yeah. so it's funny because, um, like, neither side of my family is from Michigan. Oh. <laughs> um, so my dad's actually, like, Irish and English and some other stuff. His family, like, is from Montana, okay. um, Anaconda, Montana, which actually has a really interesting tie-in with, like, the Chilean coup. But um, other than that, um, my mom's fr- my mom's family's from Quetzaltenango or Xelahu, Guatemala. And so actually how we ended up in Lansing was that my mom's sister... Um, And her husband had moved here like years Mm -hmm. prior. And so when my mom and dad married, um, they decided to move to Lansing to be, it wasn't actually the same exact city, but it was close enough where they would have some families. Oh, I see. I see. That's really awesome. Actually. Did you like it growing up there? You know, what was your experience for you? Like, how did you feel growing up? Do you reminisce on it? Are you happy about what you look back at? Or are you like, let me not. (laughs) Yeah, no, I really love Lansing. I mean, I really love my childhood there. Um, You know, there's a lot of good moments and it's, it's kind of funny because you, you you learn to value the place you're from. I think more the, more you're far away Mm -hmm. from it. 
Um, so, you know, even though I'm just an hour-ish away, um, you know, every time I come back, it's nice to see those old spots. So, like, you know, the place where my mom took me rollerblading, uh-huh. um, you know, after a day off or something. Or, um, you know, thinking about, oh, what is it? The chili cook-off that we go to every year um, down at one of the kind of local parks. It's a great city. Um, you know, definitely one that is, you know, parts of it uh, need some work, <laughs> obviously. I mean, I'm from... I went to school at a high school called Eastern High School there, which is kind of downtown Lansing. And, you know, um, it's, a, it's a school that needs some more resources, needs some more help. And it's been, you know, sad to see it go through some changes over the years. Um, you know, things change, places you lived and loved and, you know, cried over boys wow. change. But, um, you know, it's always, it's, it's nice to go back. And I feel so happy and proud to be from Michigan, from Lansing. Oh, I'm really happy to hear that. I feel like... Well, I mean, I'm from LA, so when I left LA, I was like, "Oh, fuck LA!" You know, it's it's terrible. Like, you know, I really, I really hated on it. And now that I'm back, I'm like, I love LA, but I'm really happy to hear that you you speak so highly of it. Like, I kind of want to make a trip out to Lansing at some point and check it out. Check out that chili cooker. That sounds really awesome. No, it, it's <laughs> <great>. <laughs> no. Uh, what I was gonna ask also is, um, since you're, you know, you're half Guatemalan, half what was it irish and what was it yeah Mm -hmm. like okay yeah so how was that like would you constantly you know there's code switching of sorts would you go back and forth between the two or was it always just like an understanding of both you know what culture were was prevalent for you you know i understand this is like bordering the problematic aspect of the question but um yeah 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 i get it i get it um so i mean like at no time did i feel like my identity was really like (laughs) half this and half that you know it was just how we grew up and then like as time passed you kind of realize the things your family does are like you know maybe not the way other Mm. people do things so it's things like you know realizing that like not everyone's family stays up till midnight Mm. for christmas which is you know a thing that kind of both my mom and dad's side had um but i mean i would say overwhelmingly the thing about it is that we saw my mom's family mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. and we had to keep in contact with them more because, you know, they were literally in another country. Um, they are in another country. And so um, kind of the desire and the need to keep that relationship alive led us to, you know, at times even now know more about what's going on with family down there than, you know, family here in the States. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we, our family has been pretty lucky in that my dad um, actually speaks Spanish because of working in the Peace Corps in Guatemala. That's how oh. my mom and he met. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, you know, so it's never been a question of my dad not feeling, you know, like a part of the family or something. You know, they've yeah. both been very, both my mom and my dad have been very key in making sure that we have connections to both sides of our family, that we're very close to our family in Guatemala too. And that, you know, Spanish as as much as my brother and I have struggled with it over the years, um, you know, remains part of the house, part of the family and part of the way that, you know, we show love to one another and to our family. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Wow. Sorry. I'm just like listening to you speak. I'm like, wow, why why are you so positive? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, not like in a bad way. I'm just like, wow, you speak so highly of your family, your home life. Like, wow, this is, this is great. You know, like I am really happy to hear that. And I'm happy to hear that y'all, Y'all are so like close knit, 
or at least that's the vibe I'm getting, even though y'all are like thousands of miles away. And just the fact that you have to remain that close and that family transcends borders. And it's just, it's a wonderful thing to hear you speaking on it. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Okay. So how did you get on Central American Twitter? You know, <laughs> how did, how did that happen for you? Uh, probably so it kind of happened like slowly but surely like it was kind of around me and mm-hmm. i kind of like followed people who were part of it um honestly it probably started well it started because like half the people i felt kind of like wolf that i mentioned i was part of a lot of like latinx tumblr mm-hmm. and so as a result once everyone started kind of like migrating off of there you know i just ended up following the same people on twitter um and so people like Wilfred, um and a lot of folks too who I just knew we're a part of like Central American studies kind of before Central American Twitter existed. So people like Lacey Abrego, uh, Cecilia Menjivar, Ana Patricio Rodriguez, like scholars in Central American studies mm-hmm. who all kind of had like informal networks and who now kind of dip in and out of, you know, Central American Twitter and like Santam studies, those hashtags. Yeah. And so as time passed, though, and as, you know, Wilfred actually kind of started doing this hashtag and it started gaining traction, um, you know, I kind of saw more folks in there interacting and I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to find this kind of community on Tumblr at this time. So let me try to find some of it on Twitter. Aw, that's funny that you mentioned Tumblr, actually. I am following you on Tumblr and I didn't know until this week that I reblogged something and I was just like... <gasps> bring this up during the interview but you brought it up first that you're on tumblr so it, it's less weird you know oh. <laughs> but i was like oh you're following yeah me. Oh, okay. i don't know if you follow me but like <laughs> i follow you on tumblr i don't know <laughs> no yeah because I, I i went on your profile and i was because i was like who is this person why am i reblogging them and then um i was like yo this is patrick this is patrick patrick like i have an interview set up with patrick later this week like <laughs> but i was just like this is <laughs> Like, I thought it was strange because I was just like, why are all my social medias converging on each other? But I think it's cool because it's just like, even though Tumblr is like millions of people on it, it's just like, it's still a very small community that you can meet people. And like, I don't know, I guess we we roam the same circles if I'm following you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. And I mean, I, I just keep Tumblr a little separate now because it's got all like my angsty posts about, you know, exes in high school. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, I just I try not to share that one as much. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is like one thing you've, I don't know, because Central American Twitter is still pretty much a baby hashtag, you know, it, I don't think it's even been a year. Mm-hmm. What is one thing that you've noticed that you really like about it? Like you've already spoken about how there were like academic circles associated with it, but you know, what is one thing that you you really love about Central American Twitter that you've seen come out of it? Yeah, I mean, I think I like that there's kind of like the ability to mobilize around things there. There's the ability to I mean, so you know, when everyone called out Gustavo Arellano for his bullshit or whatever, <laughs> yeah. we had, you know, the ability to have multiple that space doing that there were actual like numbers even though they were smaller they were still numbers enough to make change happen um and i think i like too that there's enough folks engaging there now where there's actual conversations happening because you know there's so much that we don't say or that we don't think about or that you know things that even i'm learning that you just don't even in a classroom because Things are going so quickly that even if you are focusing specifically on Central Americans, like the, you know, articles take years to come out. <laughs> They're not like, 
hitting the current trends mm-hmm. or anything like that. And so being able to have these kind of up-to-date current conversations about what's going on, or at least see them, even if you're not engaging, um, having that opportunity, I think, is really but part of what makes it a great That's good. Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely get you on that, just because, you know, like you said how you kind of got involved in Central American Twitter because you felt you weren't going to have these conversations or these interactions on Tumblr. That's exactly how I feel about Central American Twitter when there's a lot of like, you know, stories coming out, folklore, different cultures sharing their their costumes, their customs. It's just really interesting to see them all do their thing because I'm just like, where else would I get this? You know, there's nowhere else that I'm ever going to find out about, you know, Garifunas or, you know, different folks from different countries. Just that alone. I'm just like, wow. Like I'm, I'm still shook on it when i when i get on twitter i'm like wow i didn't even know about this so i definitely get what you mean yeah no um i studied um so actually in in college i studied <laughs> latino studies history and spanish um and so i ended up really trying to focus i mean my focus was central america though i mean when i could when i would find it and you know a lot of my frustration was actually that latino studies didn't have a lot of Mm. space for Mm. central americans it'd be like you know whether you were doing history of latin america or history of latinos in the u.s it would be things like the 80s happened refugees war we're going to mention you know Rigoberta Menchu this one time and then like we're back to mexicans and like irira and Erka and all those other, you know, like there's that one day in class where you study Central Americans and then it's like nothing else. Um, which was disappointing from like a field that was theoretically like about everybody. Yeah, I feel like that just, I don't know, it it does it in an injustice especially when central americans are like the largest population coming into the u.s right now you know it's just there's that disparity there i described it one time as just saying that like latino studies doesn't care about central americans and like you know it's changing but i still hold that like the general field does not care as much as uh, i see yeah no yeah i definitely like agree with you on that just because like i said it's just there's that disparity that you don't you don't really see that representation and you know then you have the same narratives on mainstream media about central americans so it's just like what where do we actually learn about them in a different way so what i was going to ask you is how would you you know approach that what was your approach to that or how would you do that would you like dive into the deep web to like find stuff that you wanted to learn about or like how would you i don't know what the word i would use here is but like how would you approach that and how would you engage with delving deeper into that identity if that was something you chose to do yeah um so i mean there were definitely some great moments and the the thing was that those initial moments are the same as the later moments that happened in class they i just had had them already so you know like my first latin american studies class when i learned about the u.s government intervention at and helping with the coup in 1954 mm-hmm. in Guatemala, like that was like a moment for me where I was like, this is history I never knew about. This is like, you know, something that I need to know about. Um, you know, when we learned about Central Americans coming to the U.S. as refugees and asylees, not being given mm-hmm. asylee status, actually, in the 80s, in, you know, Latin American, st- and sorry, Latino studies, like the introduction class, like that was interesting. But like what happened was that, you know, we got that initial moment and then, like, I never <laughs> got to delve deeper yeah. in, like, the classroom space. What I ended up doing was actually a combination of things. So it, my studies into kind of more focused looks at Central America actually came probably from mm-hmm. a summer research program I did. So I was working with 
two grad students, um, Bill Lopez and Alana Lebron, who were here at U of M doing um, the PhD in public health, both of them. And I was working as their research assistant, um, doing some work with them. And it was the same summer, it was summer 2014. So the one where um, there was that quote unquote, like wave of like Central American miners at the border and they're mm. overflowing, da, 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 da. And so I did a research project then that was focusing on um, comment sections and what people were saying in the comment sections of like news articles yeah. about those miners. That was kind of the start of me like doing my own work on Central America and Central Americans. And as time passed, it then kind of developed into different things. So I would, I did delve deeper into like those histories in part. And then um, as time passed, I started looking too for like research articles and actual readings about, you know, like queer Central Americans. Cause I was like, well, mm-hmm. I'm not just like Guatemalan, I'm also, you know, queer. So let's see if anyone's talked about these intersections. And so that's kind of where I then, you know, went even deeper into just my own studies and eventually mm, doing I like see. a thesis. I think, well, a couple of things. One, I think it's interesting that you went into the comment section because that's just, that's just genius. Cause it's like, these are people's first interpretations of like stories that are being shared about without necessarily the context of why the Central American children were even coming to the country. So it's just like, let's see how they engage with this and what their understanding of it is, or at least that's how I'm interpreting it as right now. So I think that's, that's genius and that's wonderful. So like, yes, do that. And then the other thing is the the intersection of queer central american identity that was actually going to be like my next topic actually so this is like a perfect segue into that so shout out to you for being like a mind reader and like <laughs> keeping us on track here but no like what, what would you like look into you know like because you know a lot of people or at least when we had that interview with wilfred we had that discussion of how queerness and central american identity t- seem to be at ends with each other but a lot of the times the people who are doing a lot more of the the storytelling and culture sharing tends to be queer and Central American. So what what resources or what approach did you take into diving deeper into that? Was it specific stories that you're reading? I know that you had a little like interaction of sorts with um, Daniel when we on Twitter when we were talking about like queer Central American Twitter. So, you know, I don't know if you want to dive deeper into that and just like share a bit about your approach or like what you learned or what you experienced during that. Yeah, absolutely. So it comes from a few different places. So like, in part, my interest in it stemmed from the fact that like, I just knew a lot of queer Central Americans. So like, I knew Wilfred, Um, my friend Moises Diaz Mm -hmm. is like a contemporary artist who is Salvadoran and shares a lot of these, you know, and queer and, um, you know, does some great work that I know of. Um, You know, they've already presented in, you know, New York and in Costa Rica, for example, my mutual and I knew them. For, I knew them through Tumblr. Um, I also knew um, one poet named Maya Chinchia, who um, I was mutuals with on Tumblr as well. Um, and it was funny because, like, she put out a book of poetry, and it took me like a year to read it. And then after I read it, I was like, "Oh, this is like it, um, it's called the Cha Cha Files at Chapina Poetica." And I was reading her work, and I was like, "Oh, this is like what that." This is what like all those Chicanos mean when they talk about like connecting with like Gloria and Zaldúa, you know, like finding themselves in the work and the words and the references. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> like this is it. Like you know, she talks about you know quesadillas that are you know like not with tortillas, but they're like a cheesy <laughs> bread. And I'm like, oh yes, like that's exactly what I was talking about. So I knew these people existed, <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, someone's mm-hmm. got to be writing this, right? Um, 
And luckily enough, you know, just as a student at a top tier research university, um, I had access to a lot of articles. And so I would go searching and eventually, you know, I would find kind of the what we would call canonical texts and talking about like at least Central American identity, like in the US. So things people like Arturo Arias, um, Ana Patricia Rodriguez, uh, Claudia Milian, um, Kenzie Cornejo, all these folks who are talking about Central American identity in kind of like diaspora, like so in the US setting rather mm-hmm. than just like in the isthmus itself. <laughs> I hate that word because I still can't pronounce it right. Um, but what a lot of these folks were lacking was actually mm-hmm. kind of an analysis of queerness. And so, you know, I had to kind of look. And so like me and Danielle were talking about or mentioning um, – Horacio Roque Ramirez was like a queer Salvadoran um, oral historian who was doing a lot of work with like LGBTQ Latinos and I think kind of like the Bay Area doing oral histories on them uh, with them around the time of his death. Um, And so, you know, there's just as I kept searching and looking, it just became clear that there was a lot of history and a lot of people that were kind of fundamental to all of this that weren't ever being talked about. So in all of those articles, um, and mind you, I'm coming from kind of like a humanities side of things. So that's mm-hmm. where a lot of my research ended up being in. Um, and so as time passed, and I just like poetry and writing and things like that. So, um, you know, as I was looking through these things, I was seeing that there were like groups and this group called the Epicentros, for example, who, you know, were kind of like a poetry and art collective that was doing a lot, that had created like zines and an actual kind of text called Desde el Epicentro, an anthology, there we go, Um, that was being referenced all the time. Or Izotevos, which is a Salvadoran-American kind of writing and photography piece that came out of, I think, Carasen in the Mm -hmm. around 99 or 2000. And so there were all these like little bits and pieces that I was finding slowly like putting together a larger story and it figures out like everyone knows each other, actually. It just was kind of, you know, in-person connections that were hard to if you knew you knew and if you didn't you didn't because no one was writing about it and so part of what i've tried to do over the years is a um you know write about it because (laughs) if we don't write about it no one will and b you know actually collect some of these things together so you know that's why i have a google drive that's got a photocopied version of isotevos and it's got like a pdf of desde el epicentro and it's got a bunch of these articles that i found and downloaded over the years because i'm like we need to keep these things centralized and also accessible because not everyone's going to be wanting to take the time to do this i definitely agree with that last bit just because when i was a college student one books are expensive y'all if y'all don't know textbooks are so expensive but as you mentioned you have access to all of these articles so what i would be doing is like if it were the textbook i'd be taking pictures of every page and just uploading that to my laptop and keeping the book that way and with these articles it's just like you know making copies and just like keeping it on my Mm -hmm. own just because it's like these are things that we need to have and we need to make accessible for folks because this is how we miss out on like these different storytellings and just i don't know i thought it was so fascinating because well i mean i was probably not as engaged with my Central American identity during undergrad as I could have been. I feel like there was a reclaiming of sorts, but I wasn't necessarily diving into it as much as you were. Mm -hmm. But I think that had I done that, I probably would have found these incredible articles and just, I don't know, I think it's so admirable to notice that you're doing this and not even because like you want anything from it, but because you're just trying to learn more about your identity. And I think that's beautiful just because, you know, like I said, Central American queer identity is something that's so convoluted and just like complex, but like there's not enough 
attention given to it everything seems to be fixated on borderlines and just where you come from and like what your customs are which is totally valid but at the same time it's not your full identity you know and so i guess the question i want to pose right now is how have these two identities either you know well i'm gonna do one question and then the next one's gonna be the the exact same question but like opposite identities so how has your queerness either enhanced or challenged your central american identity for you it's been a question I think about a lot. Um, I mean, I was, I had a video chat actually with my uh, Chinchia um, some months back, like over the summer. And, you know, we were talking about like mm-hmm. how difficult it is sometimes to write about like both identities at the same time. Cause you know, um, we're both poets. And so at times it's kind of hard to figure out like, okay, which one am I talking yeah. about? But like also I'm talking about both because I am both. Um, and I mean, I think my, I think my queerness in a lot of ways affects how I have been able to, you know, relate to identity and figure out it. So I think the thing that made sense for me was this one um, person told me some time ago, you know, just like all the Mm -hmm. ways that you can be like queer, you can be Latinx, you know, like it's a spectrum of identities. And I think that helped me kind of in some ways not not make the two not make the two identities like agree with one another but like mm-hmm. figure out how they were very similar in their own different ways you know they're i mean i i i'm i'm like not queer without being like guatemalan yeah. i'm not guatemalan without being queer in some ways um it affects how i relate to my family it affects how you know i act when mm-hmm. i'm in guatemala and you know the kinds of things i say um to some extent it's different when i'm here versus when i'm visiting family and i'm like <laughs> yeah i'm working on school i love school <laughs> No time for dating. Um, and luckily, my you know immediate family has been very accepting down there. But you know, there's other family who is not. And you know, I have cousins who you know definitely have different kind of lifestyle um, with their families. So it, it's convoluted, um, mm-hmm. and it's something I'm still working out. But I think that the two identities are definitely just kind of inherent mm-hmm. and to who I am as a person. Um, they're two identities that I'm always interested in exploring more. And, you know, it, they're identities that I work to try to understand and bring together in all the work I'm doing. Because I'm like, it's like sometimes I'll write a really like diasporic poem and I'm like, well, you know, and there will be like maybe a mention of my queerness or whatever. And it's not like the main subject, but I'm like, it's still important to who this, what, who I am, what this poem is. You know, it informs the, the I'm drawing from like a different queer canon than maybe someone who's just reading kind of straight poets or I'm looking for poets that are like queer and Central American to like contribute to my understanding of the like art practice that I have versus someone who is, you know, either one Central American or queer. And so I think that, I don't know, the identities are just, they're, they're things I think about a lot and they're things that I just really try to center in my work all the time because, you know, I've just found that if you, if you don't make it inherently explicit, and even if you do sometimes, that you are Central American and queer, like, it's just not going to be something that people mm, talk about. Or I get you. They're going to, like, choose one identity. Yeah, like, other. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts right now because I'm just trying to process all of that. Because I feel like you answered the next question I was going to pose, which was the opposite, which is how has, like, your Central American identity enhanced or challenged the queerness? And so I think it's interesting that, like, you know, as a content creator, because you are doing poetry, you're doing all yeah. of this, like, creative works, you know, how does this, the fact that you're navigating both of those identities and trying to make sense of them in a way that, you know, the, the reader, because you you know, your work relies on the interpretation that it has. So like, how does the person 
person who's interpreting it notice that it's both of these identities and that this is your authentic you you know like that this is both like both of those identities and so many other identities as well are you and that's what you're trying to put on this platform for them to acknowledge and recognize and try to understand a bit but you know a lot of the times it just feels like you do one or the other and so I don't know. I was I was lurking on your Instagram right now because when you mentioned poetry and what's this what's this about um, a poetry submission mm. getting rejected, Patrick? Who are you putting on blast right now? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was I was waiting for like this. I, I submitted this uh, poem like around October. Um, a couple of poems to this contest and like poetry is stupid because you have to like art is stupid. Art submissions are stupid because you have to like mm-hmm. pay. Mm-hmm to be in like a contest to win money um and so like i've been waiting on this submission for like months and then it's like yeah it wasn't accepted i'm like listen i mm, knew that was no, gonna yeah. happen but it's you're, like you're putting yourself bit, out you there know? you know you like if it doesn't happen okay but like if it did happen you'd be so hyped and i'd be hyping you up right now i'd be like yes patrick you did that but like uh, <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> oh yeah absolutely i want i want the name though <laughs> no no it's fine Nah, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe later. Um, you know, I've definitely gotten some nice chances though to share my work. You know, um, there was there's mm-hmm. a column in kind of U of M student newspaper called Michigan Daily, and one of the former uh, senior editors was actually like a former student of mine, and so he was like, "Hey, Patrick, would you like to submit some poetry?" And so I did. Like, I submitted two pieces, and it was like it, it was a way to put it out there. Or you know, I was included kind of like on a whim. I applied a few years back to the anthology called The Wandering Song, um, which is like a real hefty, hefty book of um, kind of essays, memoirs, poetry, stories, and you know, it, it includes like a lot of the people that I've mentioned today. Um, it includes a lot of people who are local to kind of the community where Tia Chucha Press, you know, actually puts out their work. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my work out there. It's just, you know, sl- slowly but surely. No, yeah, that, I mean, as long as you're doing it, I'm really, really happy to hear that just because the fact that you're creating content and you're so... I, I don't know. I get this vibe that you're really open about it and you're just trying to like, you know, you're, you hyped up your hometown and your family in the beginning. So like I, you're just a person who's really out there about their feelings and really like open about it and just really transparent, really good, really good feels. So I think that your writing will probably describe that all and just be able to sorry i'm like blanking on the word that i'm really trying to get at right now but really trying to convey those emotions in a way that the reader will understand them and just feel enthralled by it all because that's just the vibe that i'm getting in i want to read some of your works i don't know like if you have any that you're willing to dm later but i want to read some of these because i'm just like wow i i didn't even know like that you were like hardcore poet you know (laughs) and college counselor like what you're all about you know educating people out there and i love it yeah, I'll add some links to the when when y'all tweet out the episode, I'll add some links. Hey, okay, awesome. I'm happy to hear that. What is like one poem that you're really I don't know, I don't want to say like proud of, but like that you're really enthusiastic about just because you really felt like this one encaptured a perfect moment of your life or like really evoked the feeling you were trying to convey? Like which poem or poems or pieces, if it's not a complete poem, are these or is it? Yeah, um, there's kind of two sister poems actually so um sisters not twins um so one's called what is guatemala which i wrote actually like back around oh i don't remember um 
a couple summers ago, like after I came back from Guatemala, and I think I was I was really feeling like it was one o'clock in the morning. Like I think I had recently read Maya's work. I had also read like Borderlands <laughs> recently, so that was in my mind. So I was like, I'm gonna write this really fast, you know, like this poem about the diaspora and my feelings and like I was crying as I was writing it um and it's you know just kind of it's like a list of it, it's kind of based off this moment from like you know third or fourth grade one of those grades um at my little catholic you know elementary middle school and someone just asked me like where Guatemala was and I was like or if it was in Mexico and I was like well that's that's not wrong yeah that's 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 wrong um <laughs> so um you know, it was kind of like a response to that and saying, you know, based on what I'd learned and also what I'd felt over the years, what Guatemala was. And so that was one, that's actually the one that got published in um, in The Wandering Song. And so I was really proud of that one. It was like the first piece that got published. You know, I, I even saw someone mention like a couple lines from it in like a tiny little review of the book recently. And I was like, uh-huh. real hype about it. <laughs> So there's that one. And then there's another one that I tried to write around the same time um, called Chapingo Holandia. So my dad, like at the time, the same exact time-ish, had mentioned like how like my brother and I um, are like Chapin and Gringo. And so like with Chapingo. Um, I, like, I like wrote that. I like stored that word to the back of my memory <laughs> um, for a while. Playing with it. And it was like Chapingo Holandia, like Gringo Holandia, yeah. stuff like that. And eventually I did like a creative writing class though, where I like, the thing was I, I needed like a poem for the next day and I had not written anything because, you know, I was procrastinating <laughs> per usual. And so I was like looking through my drafts and like, well, this could work. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, maybe. And then I just like, I, the poem came to me like two years later and I like, I, I arranged the, the actual words to kind of form outlines of the state of Michigan and like Guatemala. I'm kind of intersecting and touching and the language mixes back and forth. And it was a, it was just like it, it all came together like two years after uh-huh. I started <laughs> drafting it. And, and it's funny because because they're from around the same time, they use very similar kinds of language and they're kind of very similar ideas. So that's why I call them mm-hmm. like sister poems, but they do come from kind of two different parts of my life, two, two different times in my life and to some extent, two different understandings of, you know, here I am just getting, like, leaving Guatemala, you know, seeing my family for, like, the first time in 10 years or something. Um, and then here's me two years later, like, a little, you know, still the same feelings of missing them, but also reflecting on home in a different way. And kind of like we talked about earlier, reflecting on what mm-hmm. Michigan means, too, and what Lansing means. Nice. That's that's wonderful. Like, if if it's okay with you i would want to read those also just because i want to i want to hear your perspective on it you know like just i don't know i think poetry on itself is a wonderful way of like expressing so many feels and emotions and just in a different way and the fact that you're able to write about this so concretely because these are like defining moments you know one of them is just like all right i'm back let me reflect on what i just saw yeah and the other one is just like let me try to understand it all and like the fact that you revisited the poem also was just interesting because you know this isn't something that you wrote all in one sitting this is something that was years in the making you know like this took a while you know and for you to bring it out even though it was for like an assignment for class it's just like nah it meant more than that (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah my friends and i used to do this like creative writing 
shopping once a week. Like this is like my my apartment mates. Like this isn't like you know in a class setting or anything. We just like get mm-hmm. together once a week and we'd read a poem or something that we wrote that week and we'd share it with each other. So this reminded me a lot of that and that whole process of actually sitting down and writing and actually putting thought into what you're doing and the fact that you're able to do that and then also incorporate aspects of your identity because like I wrote queer shit in my poems of course but it wasn't necessarily like salvi queer shit Mm. and so the fact that you're able to talk about your identities in your writing makes it I don't know I think more valuable more interesting and just makes me want to like engage with it and try to like pick at it like try to understand who patrick is do you do you have a pen name or do you just like go by patrick mc no yep i'm patrick mullen um it's a very easily googleable name so, <laughs> you know that's kind of it, that's actually kind of my pen name um because my my like legal name is actually just patrick mullen and then like sophomore year of high uh no not high school college I was like, you know, like, let's honor, like, my mom and, like, my family from mm-hmm. Guatemala. And so I did the hyphenated name, and I've been kind of using it ever since. And it it has its benefits in that, like, yes, I will always be able to be found <laughs> online whenever any, if anyone can remember yeah. the queer part of it. But also, you know, it's also really easy to find online. So I have to make sure, like, everything's, like, super, you know, super de-duper. Like, my students can't find me, although, like, none of them remember it. They're either, like, Mr. Mullen, Mr. Coyle, <laughs> Mr. McCoyle, Mr. M. It's a lot. <laughs> so, um... It doesn't quite work in the high school setting, but, you know, for just writing it down. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, yeah, that's awesome. I think, like, the fact that you have to be this... I don't know. I think Twitter is just, like, so much wild stuff goes on on Twitter. So the fact that you're, you're also, like, well, I'm in oh, a yeah, school yeah. setting a lot of the time doing my actual counseling stuff. So I gotta be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, can't be found that easy. So I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't put anything really bad on it, but I'm just like, you know, let's let's not make it easier for the students. To <laughs> Let me not me, become you know? a, a headline, you know. <laughs> but a, a question I have is, what is one thing you'd love to share, whether it's, you know, as a Central American person or as a poet or a Central American poet? One thing that you'd really like to share, whether it's like a piece of advice you have for stri- like struggling or struggling people who are striving to be content creators or just something that like really motivates you or just something you'd really want to share with our listeners right now is there anything i'm just going to refer back to a quote that i do a lot of the time which is uh, from stacy marie ishmael um she's she works at buzzfeed and it's you know asking a question is a power move you know like it's easier to it's much better for you to ask a question and come off kind of looking silly than like to pretend you know how to do something and then look silly Mm -hmm. later on and it's something that has taken me quite a I mean I'm still working on it and so just you know remember that like it's okay to ask for questions it's okay to ask for resources I mean that's part of what I love about Central American Twitter and all these spaces we form online are that they're places where we are doing a lot of learning and growing um places where we're kind of speaking against these silences that happen whether it's in the academy whether it's in history you know because let's face it like there is a lot of war and trauma as much as it gets kind of corny to hear about hear everyone stereotyping our countries this way like there is a lot of war and trauma that informs like what kinds of stories are invisibilized what kinds of things aren't said and so like asking for help asking Mm. for resources reaching out to other people forming community whether it's you know central american twitter you know queer central american twitter queer central american poetry twitter whatever you know these kinds of spaces are useful i think these kinds of spaces are ones we should keep using and that we should keep asking questions in because 
Like, let's face it, like, this is the only Mm -hmm. way some of us are going to get this history. And so, yes, you know, people are still going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. They're still going to be learning. Um, Like, that's the only way we're going to, you know, move forward. Um, And I'm just, I'm I'm so happy to see these kinds of things happening because, you know, even a few years ago, like, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing these kinds of spaces opening Mm -hmm. up for discussion, for people to connect. No, yeah, I definitely feel you on that. And I'm really happy to have, like, all these different folks from different parts of the U.S just being involved and sharing their stories so like thank you so much for like doing this you know like putting one putting yourself out there putting your work out there to following a hashtag just for funsies because it was like i'm not gonna get this on Tumblr. let me get this here and also just you know being a part of it because i feel like there's it's one thing to be on central american twitter and just you know scrolling through all the tweets but it's another thing to be a member of it you know like an active member and like talking to people engaging with the thoughts challenging notions and just seeing you do that and seeing you be willing to share the the access to all this information that you've had is just i think it's beautiful and i think that's like a key part of central american twitter you got to be one uh, a member and like listen to people but at the same time put things out there that you're able to put out there so like for folks like us who've gone through the college route and who had access to all those articles or textbooks that not everyone has access to we got to be able to share those and so the fact that you're so i feel you're so willing to do it is just like yes this is what we need more of and this is what we need people <laughs> like to talk about and i love it i'm really thankful that you agreed to this episode and just that you're on central american twitter patrick like this is incredible well thank you so much you know i'm patrick mc and i'm here to make it clear <laughs> i know you love me baby that's why you brought uh, me here so um i will say yeah. one last thing is that um also just like and this is echoing my friend moises um like archive everything you know like this is the kind of stuff we need to be archiving mm-hmm. these conversations these you know hashtags these movements because literally like other people will not do this and it will get lost it's happened before Mm -hmm. it's gonna happen again you know i'm sure like you know years ago the epicentros were like doing a lot of stuff on like google sites and like myspace Mm -hmm. and all that um and that kind of history gets lost like because we move on from those sites or people delete or websites like degrade or video links don't work anymore so like also just like save your stuff like especially if you're having these important conversations or if you're creating these kinds of discourses or discussions like make sure you back (laughs) it up somewhere or somehow because 10 years from now when some other little you know undergrad or you know kid on tum whatever the future equivalent (laughs) of social media is is like out here searching for like these kinds of folks like part of the goal is a to you know have us be more visible but like also to make sure this history is actually yes definitely uh you're such a good orator i'm just like yes you wrap up everything that i want to say perfectly i'm just like this this is the writer and you (laughs) putting it all out there i'm here like so so stumbling on my words and you're just like yes this is exactly it you know there's there's no script here this is just this is just flowing i love oh, it oh no it's fine that's wonderful um <laughs> <laughs> no that's good i think that's a that's that's the honest approach that you should be having to everything do you have any questions for me or for Puchica Vos? like i understand that this isn't a Puchica Vos interview this is more like sam and patrick sit down and chat i guess um what are your plans for the future for the podcast like what are you all y'all hoping to do in terms of more episodes and probably i don't know other kinds of content how, how do you hope for what do you let me say this how do you want the podcast to grow okay uh well i think we 
well, personally, I can't answer for Sandra, but personally, I want the the podcast to keep growing and to get out of like I don't want to say it in a bad way, like get out of Central American Twitter, but like grow out of Central American Twitter because I feel like there's a huge following on it. But we need to expand it more because not all Central Americans that we want to reach or that we want people to be like listening or sharing their experiences are on Central American Twitter. So I think that's like my personal thing is just I want mm-hmm. it to grow to the point where Central Americans feel like they can talk about this or that they even then like it doesn't even have to be through us if they want to start their own podcast go for it you know like if they want to start a like a cooking podcast or an eating podcast or just an art podcast mm-hmm. a music one whatever it is and they happen to be central american you know i want them to be to feel encouraged and to go for it and so i don't know i think this is where like i go into like as a content creator i just want other people to do shit too like i just want people to do it like go for it you like it's gonna it's it takes yeah. a lot to put yourself out there but once you start doing it I'm, I'm maybe you'll agree with this but you know it just feels good knowing that you put yourself out there sometimes it doesn't because it's just like ah shit i just put that out there <laughs> but other times it's like yes <laughs> this is this is, these are the things we want to be talking about. These are the things I want other people to be talking about. Like, you know, maybe I share my embarrassing story. What's yours? You know, like, <laughs> don't leave me all alone out here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely feel like I just want more people to do things. And, like, Central American Twitter, like, I know y'all are creative. I know y'all are. I know Central Americans out there have so many different identities in them. And I want them to just put it out there and let people know how wonderful central america is and just how much variety and diversity there is amongst people in there and how much how many different things they can do just like they can sing they can act they can dance they can create they can do pottery whatever it is just do it put it out there that's what i want from people that's what i want people to get from this podcast you know like if we can do it and we're a struggle pod y'all can do it yeah well You'll definitely don't sound as much of a struggle pod as I think you think you do. So, uh, did you hear the intros? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, <Nah>, but <laughs> All right. uh, this is the the one question that I I need to ask. You know, our listeners need to know, and I'm sure you know what question is coming already. But everyone needs to know. This is the hardcore journalism we're after here on Puchicabos. Patrick, do you eat ass? <laughs> <laughs> why did i know this was the I'm question sorry. i'm so mad i'm so bad um uh no i don't um but that's also because i can't oh. find the <laughs> but that would change <laughs> like i'm open to it is what you're saying <laughs> no, no like that's that's my that's my plea to queer central american twitter find me a man this year please <laughs> Is it, hey, we'll put it out there. I'll tweet it right this now. Is what, no, this is what it's like being said <laughs> queer and central. I'll tweet it right now. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, yes. One comment, one question. Number one, when I had the idea for a podcast about Central Americans, it, the, the name was the same. It was Puchica Vos, but it was mm-hmm. like Vos with a Z because <laughs> it was like a podcast. And so I'm always a little disappointed about that, that it's not a Z. Um, number two, how did you... One of the questions that I always have and because I've looked so much into like starting a podcast before, like the materials you had to get, like, how did you start? Like just in terms of like, you know, we have to get all these microphones and find a place to record. (laughs) Okay. So Sanja and I have like an unconventional pod of sorts. So Sanja's in Oakland and I'm in Mm. Los Angeles. So we're like 400 miles away from each other. (laughs) So the way we do it is 
Yeah, so the way we do it is we just down. She told this is all Sandra. Sandra told me everything that we need. So this is me giving credit to Sandra. She told me everything. <laughs> but we downloaded a program, um, Audacity, which is what we used to record. And in terms mm. of mics, we originally started with another kind of mic, but very recently we got um, our our newer mics, which make us sound better. And so, you know, we had to get those mics. We had to get onto Audacity. And then it was like creating the website, sending submitting it into um, iTunes, to Google Play, and, you know, just trying to like, one, create an interest in it. So like if people were really into it, then of course they would like get on it. But in terms of materials, it was the mic, uh, a little filter thing for the mic because we like pop a lot of our piece and so we don't want that to get onto the mic and what the way we do it is we just call each other so i have like my headphones in mm. which has a little like mic for it for the iphone and then i have the mic in front of me so i'm recording on that and then it's all being recorded onto audacity and then we just upload our files to google drive and then edit on audacity also and just line them up perfectly so there's like it's just about finding a mic like the originals we got were like i don't know maybe 20 bucks each these ones were a little bit more pricey they were like 40 or 50 but that's because they were like yeah they were like on sale too so it was like oh oh, oh, (laughs) we we scammed amazon (laughs) but yeah so it's just like i don't know and then about the the puchica voice thing uh i don't know why it's not a z i thought it was gonna be a z too but we just (laughs) It as <laughs> no shade, no shade. Oh, oh well i'm glad to know i'm not the only one who was thinking that <laughs> no definitely not okay um so i think that just about wraps up this interview thank you so much patrick i am gonna do a, a bendicion slash despedida so you you know about those yep, right I, I know how this goes okay cool awesome Today's despedida is um, self-care as becoming mindful. So this means becoming aware of what you want, how you're feeling, what you're thinking. And the goal around this is just to become more in touch with your own emotions and your own thoughts. Because the more in touch with them you happen to be, the more likely you are to actually figure out what it is you want to do and like what you genuinely feel you need to do for yourself rather than like, being told by other people what you need to be doing and so this will also encourage you to act on those needs rather than just those wants so you know you one if you're more in touch with your emotions you're gonna be more in touch with what is a need versus what is a want and so you know this is gonna help you like if you're focusing on things that you actually need to be doing rather than what you want to be doing you're going to be moving past all those toxic energies or things that might be harboring you onto your past and will also help you steer away from things that are harming you. So just, you know, focus on being more mindful, focus on being more present, acknowledging your emotions, recognizing where they are, what you want for them, but what you need to be doing for yourself rather than what other people are telling you to be doing. The goal around this, of course, is just improving yourself, getting more in touch with yourself and focusing on things that are going to like further propel you into what you want to be doing and moving away from things that you're harboring onto and that are just keeping you stationary. So yes, be mindful y'all. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Patrick. This is a really good 
first interview and i'm really excited for this yes i'm excited to, i'm excited to see who else you interview so you know <laughs> <laughs> y'all are in for quite a few people <laughs> okay great i can't wait to hear the can't wait to hear the sandra only you know podcasts thank y'all for tuning in hope y'all have a great rest of your day or night or whatever it may be Just stay safe bye